welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent. I'm here with Alan, and we talk about things that we believe can help leaders and churches and churches themselves to endure. And so, um, Alan, I know that when I'm driving, sometimes my wife tells me I have no peripheral vision and and I don't see things coming up beside me or sometimes I don't I have blind spots because of the way our vehicle is or whatever. But I think that that may be true in churches, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There's always a blind spot. You know, in leadership, we have blind spots. But I also think in some of those week to week things that we do. We have some blind spots as well. So today, Trent, why don't we talk about the blind spots that a person might have in their preaching ministry? You know, preaching is probably the most visible thing that we do as pastors. And yet sometimes I think we we fall prey to our own blind spots there. You know, when the COVID-19 came out, it forced a lot of us to begin to do recordings of our sermons and put them online. And so... I think maybe that could give us some help and looking back and say, okay, am I doing a well-rounded approach to my preaching? And I, so that that may be a tool that helps us. Yeah, you know, I met some people who will never, ever flex from what they do and what they've always done, and they're not willing to examine their preaching. And I think that's something that's important, even if it leads you to keep doing the same thing, but maybe doing what you do at an even higher level is important. And so today, as we're talking through through these things, we're not telling you um, exactly how you should preach, what style of preaching you should use, but we want you to consider your preaching. We also want you to consider these blind spots. And I have fallen into some of these. Um, they the might not all be true of me, but at different times, they've all been true of me. Yeah. So, yeah. so we, we come to you from experience and we want you and to be better than we are at this. And I'm sure many of you already are, but we want to encourage you to look at these blind spots in your preaching. So Trent, we've got a list of seven things. I guess we ought to move on to them. Yeah, let's dig in. So the very first one here is that we fail to get their attention. And I, I added this, Alan put our note together today. I added this one in there because I, I noticed that sometimes I work a lot on my sermon, but the beginning and the end of my sermon sometimes struggle. And I think that that's a big part in getting people's attention in your, in your congregation. I think that's a that's a really important part of this. I'm glad you mentioned this one, Trent, because I can kind of tell you a couple of stories. So last week I had a pastor call me and says, hey, I want to run by my introduction to you because I'm doing an introduction differently than normal. Talking in a subject that was a little uncomfortable as the pastor as he was preaching through a text. And so he's not a joke teller, but he wanted to start with a joke that was somewhat unrelated, but find a way to tie that in to what he was talking about. And so we kind of talked through that and talked about how that could actually be used to get people's attention because it was out of the norm. So I think it can be a really positive thing. And then I was excited because I was using a movie quote on Sunday and I thought, oh, everyone has seen the movie. I was using a quote from Princess Bride, you know, my daughter's favorite movie. And I figure everybody's seen that movie. And I'm in a small church and no one raised their hand as having seen that movie. (laughs) <laughs> they said oh, they were no. all movie buffs every single oh yeah oh we love movies yeah they don't love that movie i guess so yeah. crash crash and burn sometimes 
sometimes we fail to get people's attention. I'm glad I had at least planned it. Well, if no one knows it, I'm going to tell the story. So I told the story, but it just didn't mean much to them. Yeah. Well, and it's like me. I've given up on telling jokes because I just am not good at it. And I can tell a story, but I can't tell a joke. And I don't, I guess I don't have timing or something. I don't know. It's the panache. You don't have the panache, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a great joke teller either. I'm much rather, I'd much rather tell a story. But you do need to get people's attention. You need to draw them in. Everyone needs an introduction um, to w- what you're going to be talking about just to, so their mind can get focused. It gives them a, a chance to engage with you. And for some guys, you might be such the expositor that you can say, open your Bibles, turn here. And they're like, they're glued in. But that's not very many people. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and people are so distracted by lots of things. And if you can get their attention off their phone, um, that could be a, a major win, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, they're actually looking at me and paying attention. So, uh, But, you know, now I was thinking about this, Alan, that because of the positions that you and I are in, we're in a different church almost every week. And so I have to literally keep track of what I've preached and where and when. Um, and so that kind of helps me, uh, you know, to keep track of what I am talking about now. And you and I, we don't get the opportunity to go through a, some of these things and, and maybe talk about some of the doctrinal things that a pastor of a church should be doing. But, you know, all of us have the opportunity to keep track and maybe make a plan as we're preaching. Our second thing in our list is uh, we don't engage with the doctrine enough. I think we want to interpret the passage, and there are times, I'm sure, if you're preaching through Romans, you're touching on doctrine. You're, you're not going to be able to avoid it. But there are times that doctrines come up, whether that's the sovereignty of God or the depravity of man or the Trinity or any of these doctrines that come up. And I think it's important for us to find opportunities, even even if it's just in a small section, to mention some of the key doctrines that we're touching on. I, I would say this was an area that I was weaker on, that in looking back now, I wish I had done more of this. I wish I had been better teaching doctrine uh, to my church. Sometimes we're, we're just not intentional. I mean, we're going through the passage and and we may be teaching some of that, but we don't use the term doctrine. I mean, a lot of the folks that we talk to, they don't identify with that word doctrine. That doesn't mean anything. And they get that deer in the headlights, glass-eyed look, you know, when you mention that word. But you do need to be intentional, I mean, because there are some doctrines that are very central and important to our faith. And you know, even if you don't use that term, you can still be intentional about what you teach about that that belief and that doctrine. Yeah, I think this one is a huge one. Think theologically. Our job as pastors is to really engage with the Bible and explain the Bible, which means we are going to be engaging doctrinally, and we need to include that. So include doctrine. Don't go crazy. You don't have to get into the, all the rich details of each doctrine, but at least mention them and let people know what you're talking about. Two of my favorite ones to talk about are justification and sanctification and how they work hand in hand. Justification is an act in the past tense. It's happened. It's been enacted. It's engaged. Sanctification is an ongoing process. I love to explain those two doctrines. So deal with doctrine. The third third thing, Trent, would be a similar thing 
And that's to think apologetically when we're preaching. Now, that doesn't mean telling everyone that, hey, I'm sorry, this isn't my best sermon. But what are we talking about when we, when we say to think apologetically? Yeah, and I've seen some pastors that that's the way they begin every sermon is with like an apology, but that's not what we're talking about here. Apologetics is just the ability to defend your faith and and to have some confidence. I was really excited that um, one of our churches in our area here, um, they've, for the second year in a row, they've had an apologetics conference at their church. And um, they've they've really intentionally tried to teach their people this because so many of our folks, they don't have, they don't have the confidence when somebody questions their faith or says they're wrong, they don't have any confidence or the ability to, to show people why they believe what they believe. Yes, we have a church that hosts an apologetics conference as well. And I think that just giving defenses of our faith, this is why we believe and this is why we can have confidence in that is important for our people. They go out and for six days a week these days, they're told how bad it is to be a Christian or why it doesn't make sense, why there's no God. And we, we in one hour, are not going to accomplish an awful lot if we're not talking about that. So we need to make this connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, giving people tools, thats I feel like that's a big part of a pastor's job. And part of discipleship is to give our people tools to live out their faith. And sometimes that means defending their faith. Um, and we need to find tools that, that they can take and, and implement and, and use in our sermon, explain to them why this is important and how to use this tool that we're giving to them. And so, so sometimes we fail to get their attention. Um, sometimes we fail to include and explain doctrine, key points of doctrine, and we fail to include or help our people to know how to to defend their faith and apologetics. Um, And all those are are part of discipleship, which kind of leads us into our next point is we fail to call for action. So Alan, when you think of that, what what comes to mind? For you and I, we are high on application. So when we read the text, one of the things that we are doing naturally is we're drawing out application. But I've got other friends in ministry, when they're looking at the text, they're looking at the breakdown and they're looking at the words, and they're seeing the content, and they're very rich on content. Well, I shared how I always struggled to include and explain doctrine, maybe. I struggle more with the content, but application comes naturally for me. That's not true for every pastor. And so some people have to think more about, well, how, what does this mean? So what? You know, answer that question. What does this mean um, for the person who's hearing that in the congregation today? That's the call to action. That's going to be tied up in how we close our service and with a response. It's going to be tied in, in how, what people take away that day. So we've got to call for action. And this is so important, Alan. I mean, we, we started with getting their attention. And so that's an introduction to the topic and the, and the passage that you're preaching through. But you also need to be able to draw it to a close and give them something that they're supposed to do. It's not just information touching, tickling their ears, but it is, hey, because of this, um, just as Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me, therefore go, right? So there's, you explain the passage and then you say, okay, therefore, this is what we ought to do. 
This is what we are to be doing. This is what how we are to be living based on that. Yeah, so we have these first four, and Trent, you mentioned how they're kind of tied to discipleship. I also think they're tied to an individual sermon. So when you're putting an individual sermon together, you know, are you getting their attention? Do you have your opening and your cl- closing put together? Are you? Is there a doctrine you need to explain? Is there a point of apologetics that you can address? Are you calling for action, applying the text in their life? These other ones are maybe a little more overarching, where you know, over the course of time, we can have some blind spots, but I think they're important to address as well. And one of those is when we misread our audience. What do you think we're talking about when we talk about misreading an audience? Well, Alan, you and I have, in our previous podcast episodes, we've kind of touched on this a bit from time to time, but it's so important for a pastor to know his the people in his congregation and and where they're at in their spiritual growth, you know, are they are they babes in Christ? Are they, as Paul would say, hey, you you should be having steak by now, but instead you're just still on spiritual milk, or are they, you know, are they ready for big stuff? And we're just keep giving them milk, you know. So that's there's kind of two sides to this. Sometimes we overestimate their spirituality, you know. We we think, oh, man, they're ready for this, and then they're not. And then other times, we underestimate it. It's so easy to do as well, to look at your audience and, and not really identify who you're talking to. And it is possible to address two different groups in an audience at the same time. It's how you say things, and it's how you communicate things. Sometimes you might say, now, if you're in this place, let me encourage you here. And if you're in this place, let me encourage you here. We see that in some of the epistles where where Paul is definitely identifying different groups of people. I mean, with the meat sacrifice to idols, you know, don't do anything that could cause a brother to stumble. So we can see that there is a point in time where we have to do that. But we talked about it before, exegeting your audience and really understanding who's in your audience. If you're doing a lot of preaching to, and your preaching is always evangelistic, but you don't have a lot of unsaved people in your congregation, you probably need to do a little bit more discipleship. Not that you cut out away from all your evangelism, but you also need to think about the other side. So that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, and again, it is important for you to know, and you you have to have those conversations outside of a Sunday morning while you're preaching. That is not where you get to know your congregation. It's outside of church and having those one-on-one conversations and, and say, hey, tell me your God story, or tell me, you know, how are you doing? Are you in Scripture? Are you reading? I, I asked this question um more than once, Alan, and to uh, my church in Oklahoma and to other churches, I've asked this, but I asked them to raise their hand if they had been intentionally discipled one-on-one. And every time, it's almost zero people that have been intentionally one-on-one, life-on-life discipled. It's those things that you need to know so that you can teach them some of those basic things that, that Alan was talking about, the doctrinal things that people need to know, too. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that one out. So we can misread our audience. Trent, we can also become unbalanced in our preaching. I I feel like I've probably been unbalanced at times in my life with this. I've been accused of being unbalanced, but I don't think it had anything to do with preaching. (laughs) 
And maybe that's some other topic. I don't know. No, we, we, we don't have time for that episode right now. So let's look at this particular side when we talk about preaching. But yeah, when we talk about preaching, you know, most pastors are either kind of short series guys or they're book guys. So you, some people like to do shorter series. Some people like to do long series through books or character studies or things like that. And each of them kind of has a way where you can kind of get lost in it and that you can become very unbalanced in it. So what happens to guys when they tend to get preached short series? Where do they tend to go? Well, you know, if you're doing those short series, I've seen a lot of guys, and and you have too, Alan, where they just keep hitting on their pet subjects. They're things that they are really interested in, or that it seems like they're always touching that same topic, right? Here's here's an example of one that people don't typically talk about, and that is giving, um, you know, and the theology and the the commands of giving. Unfortunately, that's that's a big part of life, and we we are giving our people an unbalanced picture when we don't talk about that. So, uh, you know, that's one of those I think you should, and but many people don't. Yeah, so we don't touch on something that we need to touch on. And that can happen a lot. When we're doing short series, it's kind of moves on from one passion to another. There are things that stick out to us. And so often the same type of subjects stick out to us. I have a natural bent toward reading leadership books. I love leadership books. If you give put two books down, if there's a, a book on theology and you put that down before me, or if there's a book on leadership, I'm probably going to pick up the book on leadership. I've got friends that are going to pick up the theology book every time because that's their natural love. Um, some some people, I'm only going to stay in the New Testament or Old Testament. So that kind of leads us to the longer series preachers. And I see this sometimes, too, that they don't really move through the whole counsel of God. They kind of stay in the same area because it's easier to preach it that way. And uh, let me use an example of epistles. Um, mm-hmm. For expository, verse-by-verse type preachers, the epistles are the easiest books to preach. When you get into things like narrative and telling stories, that's a lot harder to do successfully verse by verse because stories weren't meant to be broken down that way. They were meant to be taken as a whole. And so it can be more challenging to move into a different different type of genre. Right. Yeah. And then, so that what you mentioned, Alan, is Paul's epistles are going to be the natural draw for that. But, but maybe some of those stories like Hosea and Gomer in the book of Hosea, that would there's some great information and, and good things that people need to hear and be challenged by. But we don't often go to those minor prophets or even the major prophets. And so uh, make sure that you include, look at your preaching calendar. And we've done a podcast episode on this, Alan, where we encourage people to put together a preaching calendar and so go back and look and say, hey, have I been giving my people, like Alan said, the full counsel of God's word? Um, and if not, then just like, okay, I need to be more intentional in planning. I also think you can think about varying your style of preaching up every now and then as well. It may not be something you're comfortable doing very often, but I think sometimes it's it's good just to mix up your style, to tell a story, to let a story kind of drive your sermon if you're not used to doing it that way. Or if you're into short series, I think it's good to every now and then take a book, take a little more time 
and really delve into something a little bit different. So I just think it's important to, to mix up our, our methods and styles. It keeps your preaching growing stagnant and stale. And I think you'll find more joy in your preaching when you do that, which means you're going to have to study other styles. You're going to have to be, be familiar with them, learn how to do it, how to put something together that way. And as you look at your your congregation realize that they're not all the same and they're not, their learning styles are not all the same. And so the more that you can change things up once in a while, the more that you will grab the attention of some of the folks that you have not been really reaching. Uh, And so, you know, change that up, reach some of your people in a different way, get their attention and it'll cause them to perk up their ears if things are a little bit different on any given week. So I think that's important. And then, Alan, you included this last one, and I'm I'm interested to see what you have to say about we preach too often. Well, one of the things I have become passionate about is that most pastors assume that, well, if I'm in church, I should preach. And one of the things I've become more convicted of and more convinced of over time is that we need to be able to step back from our own pulpit to strengthen our voice. If it's your voice every single week and they only get a different voice, your church gets a different voice two times a year, your voice is going to grow stale. But if you bring in some other people, whether that's someone from within that you're training up, whether that's someone from outside, you know, you and I get to preach at a lot of churches where we're invited to come in to give the pastor a, a day off or a breather um, maybe it's a connection with another church and you know they have someone to come in, a guest speaker from a college or seminary, but bring in someone else so you're not carrying that whole burden and you need to be fed on occasion as well. And your church needs to see that you know how to listen to a sermon. I think that's something that we overlook when we have this discussion. A church needs to know that I, I'm taking notes, that I'm into learning what the Bible says through God's messenger as well as they are. So I think it's important. And really, taking a, a few Sundays off, especially if you're bivocational, get someone else to fill in. Take that mental break one Sunday. It, it'll be huge. Wow, that is so true. And I love what you said about that we need to show our people that we're learners too. And I will tell you right now that if you want to grow in your relationship to God and and learn more from preaching, you need to be taking notes. I have a notebook that I take with me every place when I'm not preaching and I'm taking notes, man. I have notebooks filled with notes from different pastors that I've listened to. And, uh, you know, Alan, I used to, when I was pastoring, I would, on the month of August, I would always bring in or schedule all four Sundays in August, be with different people and I was there the whole time, but I I agree. It made my preaching, people are like, okay, you know, they, because they heard something new, they were more clued in to when I was preaching. Uh, but it also showed them, you know, there's some other folks in our denomination or uh, around and that we've come to know that are gifted and have a, a word for them. Now, I wish I could remember who, where I heard it from, but someone said that your best 44 are better than your mediocre 50. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember who said it, but I remember what they said, and that was pretty good. Yes, that is good. 
It's a good clue. Yeah. And and we need that. You need to be going. I tried to go to conferences. I know Alan has. And just to be filled up and to learn and hear from other people. And boy, it's good stuff. It's vitamin G, you know, vitamin God's word to get fed yourself and not always just giving out, giving out, giving out. So uh, these are important things. And we've been talking today that sometimes in our in our preaching, we have uh, blind spots. Maybe we, we don't un- realize that we are missing out on some things like we mentioned that we fail to get people's attention. And that means we, we fail to spend time putting together a good introduction. Sometimes we fail to include and explain doctrine. We fail to include apologetics, being able to show people how to defend their faith. We fail to call for action, and that's the closing of a sermon. What do you want them to do with this information? And we misread our audience, and sometimes we're unbalanced in our preaching, and then um, sometimes we even can preach too often. So, Alan, these are good things. Is there anything you want to include? Well, I just want to ask you out there, if you're listening today, is there something that you see as a blind spot? Maybe we have a blind spot that we missed. And we would love to hear from you. So please uh, respond. Also, if you would, give us, a, give us a like on whatever platform you listen to. The, the more likes we get, the more our audience grows. And we've enjoyed seeing some growth in our audience. And we would love to let other people know about the Enduring Churches podcast because our heart is to see you and your church endure. And we love doing this. We love um, sharing just some of our insights. We love uh, opportunities we get to do interviews. But most of all, we love you and thank you that you take time to listen. And we look forward to catching you on our next episode.